She's not a freak or a geek, but she played one on TV. She's back on the show for the second time this episode, and this time she's answering all of the questions that you guys submitted all over social media about Freaks and Geeks, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and a whole lot more. She is the awesome Sarah Hagen. I'm Jerry Strauss, and this is The Laugh Track. Do you need your weekly comedy fix? Relax while we visit the sitcoms you love, the jokes you remember, the characters you will never forget, and the stars that bring them to you. Sit back. It's The Laugh Track with Jerry Strauss. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Laugh Track with Jerry Strauss. He is I, I am him, and you are you. And you, more importantly, are here. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for all the support lately. Uh, We had a very different episode last week. Uh, We put out that very special media event for the wonderful show, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which not necessarily considered a comedy, per se, but certainly one of the funniest shows in and out of the action-adventure genre on TV. Of course, that Marvel magic translating from the big screen for seven big seasons. And so great to be able to bring you that event with questions from so many great journalists, uh, myself squeezing in there as well, uh, for the entire cast of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So thanks to Clark Gregg and Chloe Bennett and Ming-Na Wen, the entire cast, and of course, thanks to ABC and Disney and Marvel for making it possible to bring that to you here on this show. Our audience was through the roof last week, and we hope that a lot of you are sticking around because we've got a lot more cool stuff coming up this week, next week, the weeks to come. Um, This is what we do here on the Laugh Track, and this is actually our first second-timer, our return guest, our premier return guest, if you will. Uh, We had her on a while ago. We had a great conversation uh, about the classic cult favorite, Freaks and Geeks, which was out 20 years ago. Of course, it takes place in 1980, 40 years ago. Uh, That's crazy. Um, But one of the great high school TV shows of all time, and we had a good conversation about one of uh, our guest Sarah Hagen's favorite episodes last time. Uh, big support for for that episode as well. Lots of listeners, uh, lots of social media action, and even Judd Apatow, who was involved in bringing that first uh, bringing that show to the small screen. He was retweeting and liking our uh, tweets about the episode and about our friends at No Kid Hungry as well. So um, hopefully, Judd. You're listening to this one as well, and uh, this is going to be a lot more fun because we went to you guys, the fans. We said, give us your questions. Uh, Tweet us, email us, however you may do it, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You know we're everywhere on the Laugh Track, Uh, and we got so many great questions from you guys, so we were able to uh, talk about a lot of things, not only about Freaks and Geeks, but about another huge, huge favorite of yours, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So another fun chat with Sarah, and uh, it's here. Let's not wait any longer. Let's get into it. It's the Laugh Track with Sarah Hagen. You're actually our first our first two-timer, our first second-timer on the Laugh Track, so thank you for coming back. <laughs> That's speaks nice. volumes your courage. And uh, look, first of all, I want to say congratulations on a lot of really great conversations that I've seen you have lately. I, I saw um, a, a streaming conversation that you had with a lot of the cast of Freaks and Geeks. I believe it was for Wizard World Conventions. Yes. Um, and that was really something. That was really cool. And, they, you know, they're speaking about how people were tuning in, so to speak, as the old folks used to say, um, from all over the world. And it really shows not just the power of Wizard World, but the power of Freaks and Geeks. So I, I really thought it was great to see you involved in that and to talk about the show on such a, a global platform. Yeah, I was I was pretty in- impressed. I mean, I still like... Uh, blows my mind that it's kind of a global show at this point, you know, and um, people have seen it all over the world. Um, It's pretty amazing. So I'm always happy to, and, you know, 
that show is near and dear to my heart. So I'm always happy to talk about it and talk to fans and answer questions. So. Yeah. And I mean, if, if there's any further evidence needed of the impact uh, of freaks and geeks to those who have seen it, uh, I mean, we got such a response to it from your last appearance on this show where we just talked a little bit about your background of the show. And then we discussed one of the, the episodes of, of, of freaks and geeks in that one season of magic that, that the show had. And we got such a response, not only from social media, people who are just generally fans of the show, but then uh, Judd Apatow himself chimed in and he was retweeting and liking our tweets about the episode where we spoke to you. So that really pushed things along and got a lot of his longtime fans to, uh, to check out our show and to check out that conversation as well. So definitely near and dear to fans' hearts and near and dear to those involved like yourself, like Judd, and I'd have to imagine like most of, uh, if not all of you who were involved in it. Yeah, I think so. But that's awesome to hear. I'm, I'm, makes me very happy. Yeah, it certainly makes me happy too. And we're, you know, we talked a long time ago about the idea of bringing you back on here and I'm so glad we were able to make it work. We knew that this is the kind of show that the fans really wanted to talk about it. They love talking about this show. Uh, so that's what we're here for. We put it out to the fans who wanted to be involved, to engage with us and to engage with you and send us their questions about freaks and geeks about you all, all stuff directed to you and we're, you're going to see we're even going to go outside of freaks and geeks just a little bit but um a lot of excitement out there all over social media facebook twitter uh instagram we we heard from everybody everywhere and uh we've got a good selection of things to talk about this time out so are you are you uh ready are you excited oh man i'm excited but <laughs> Hopefully I answer your questions. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, look, a lot do of these it. are things. All right. We're good. <laughs> We're good to go. A lot of these are things. And look, I do want to, you know, plug, go back and listen to uh, our earlier episode with Sarah as well, because you dropped a lot of really cool insight and knowledge about the show and about how you came to be a part of the show. A lot of these questions are going to echo some things we talked about then. But we're going to hit them, and we're going to try to see if we can pull out any new new uh, angles or insights into them. So no real rhyme or reason to the order of these questions. We're just going to hit it. So away we go. Uh, first question, Blake Lynch, Mr. B. Lynch on Twitter wanted to know, as a young person, was it hard to come to terms with the fact that you were cast to fit the quote-unquote geek look? Uh, was it a long stay in hair and makeup to get you camera ready to kind of fit the mold of, of the character of Millie? I know the clothes probably helped complete the look. It's a really interesting question because, you know, obviously as a performer, um, it's, I would have to imagine it's exciting for you to play someone different than who you are in real life to kind of stretch those muscles. What are your initial thoughts when you kind of understand that you have to kind of dress, I don't know if dressing down's the right term, but to try to kind of dress to fit that awkward look of Millie. Yeah, you know, I had some, I definitely had some interesting um, outfits, <laughs> that's for sure, as Millie. Um, and, you know, as far as like, was I embarrassed or feel weird about playing the geek or being in those outfits? No, because I'm, you know, I'm an actor. I, I, you know, I'm, I embrace the roles that I'm given and that's what you have to do as an actor. So, um, but yeah, I, uh, and then also as far as hair and makeup goes, like they wanted, you know, I was, I was in that age of Millie. I was that correct age and whether or not any of the other actors were that correct age, they just wanted a very natural look for, you know, the people in high school mostly, well, across the board, even the parents, like it was just a natural look, you know, so it was, it was minimal makeup, you know, and, and then hair, you know, it was, it was minimal hair too. It was like, so as far as like, if I was in the, in the seat very long for hair and makeup, the answer is no. Um, but yeah. And, uh, uh, what else was the, was the question, um, was there another part of that question? I feel like there was multiple parts. 
No, I mean, I think you pretty much covered it. They said, you know, they speculate the clothes were probably a big part of completing that look, which seems to be more of a factor probably than the hair or the makeup, it sounds like. I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, the hair had a little bit to do with it. I had like, you know, like my hair and like a high ponytail in one instance and then like braids in another. So, you know, there was definitely some elements of like geekiness to the hair that they brought, but, um, but nothing too intense. It was definitely the outfits and, you know, having that like setting of the eighties, like late seventies, early eighties, like wardrobe kind of helped put it over the top as well. So, um, but yeah, Millie's, Millie's wardrobe was pretty, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the characters wardrobe was pretty fantastic, but Millie definitely had some insane outfits. (laughs) I have to say. Some that I was like, really, really, um, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> this is usually where we would ask if you got to keep anything uh, from 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 the set uh, outfit wise, but it sounds like maybe you wouldn't have necessarily wanted to. <laughs> you know, um, no, well, no, I did not keep anything, and I, I don't know, there may have been something I wanted to keep at some point, but I didn't really think about it. Um, and also I think a lot of the wardrobe was supplied by like the universal, like, um, wardrobe house or whatever it's called, but it was like supplied by like universal. Um, they had like this whole outlet of like clothing and like period clothing and like just this whole thing. So they would like basically like rent out these, uh, all the wardrobe or something from them. Um, but with that said, Lindsay or Linda Cardellini, who plays Lindsay, she ended up keeping her green army jacket that's like Lindsay Weir famously wears like basically the whole show. Right. Um, she was like, I'm keeping this. <laughs> they were like, okay, sure. And then I think someone else like kept something, maybe one of their cast members kept something. I know one of the writers kept like the, um, the mascot head um Mm. yeah and but I didn't keep it I didn't even think of it and then when I hear that all these people like later on like years later like I hear that they kept the some of their wardrobe I was like dang it I totally (laughs) missed my opportunity like that would have been awesome but you know Linda had a reason to keep that army jacket like that was Lindsay Weir. That army Lindsay jacket defined Lindsay Weir for that whole season. So signature piece. Yeah. It's a signature piece. <laughs> so I don't know if Millie necessarily had a signature piece. So you know, it's okay. I'm okay with it. I've come to terms. <laughs> Look, L- Linda. Linda is is doing very well. She's up for a lot of awards this year. Um, I think we need to start a social media campaign right now, grassroots style. We need to get her to wear that jacket up on stage for any accepted <laughs> speech that comes her way in 2020, 2021. It's only right. Yeah, we, we can try. I don't think it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> I think she did, uh, she did bring it to this Vanity Fair photo shoot to wear um, for like one of, one of the photos in the Vanity Fair photo shoot. We did this whole, I don't know if it was a, uh, I know Judd Apatow is doing a whole like comedy um, issue for Vanity Fair. Mm. And so he's bringing in a lot of his like um, actors that he works with for different, from different films that he's done as well as like did this whole piece on freaks and geeks. And I don't know if it was around the time of like the 15th, 15th year anniversary mm. of freaks and geeks or what I can't remember. Anyway, we did this whole, like basically he got a lot of cast and, you know, production people um together to be in this vanity fair photo shoot and linda did bring her jacket and she wore it for a couple of photos so that was pretty cool that's (laughs) that's really great uh katie katie may uh chimed in she wants to know a pretty simple question, but a great one. I'm curious about what was the funniest moment on set? So not necessarily something that we saw on camera, but was there a moment in the making of the show that you were involved in that stood out to you as, as the funniest experience of, of that time? 
Hmm. There was a lot of funny and great moments, but one I always think of, and this is like probably embarrassing for uh, Linda Cardellini, but um, the one I always think of is, uh, so Lindsay Weir in one of the episodes in the series basically has a falling out with like the freaks or just a moment, you know, where she decides she's, she's going back to her old life. She's going back to the mathletes. She's going back to, to just do what's what, I don't know what's right or what she thinks is right. And ends Mm -hmm. up not being right. Anyway, that, that episode's called, I think looks and books. So she joins the mathletes again. She hangs out with, with Millie a lot more. Um, And so basically she's going from wearing you know, freaky, hippie sort of clothes, like baggy clothes to wearing more fitted tight clothes. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I remember this one uh, moment before we start filming, we're doing the, um, we're doing the math, we're in the mathletes and I, I don't know, uh, we're doing the competition and we're about to start like filming or whatever. And she's wearing these like tight, like black, like pants and she's like, just before we start filming off, off set, she stretches, she, you know, she goes and touches her toes and she's like stretching. And as she like goes to touch her toes and I, I'm like standing like kind of right behind her, her <laughs> pants rip open at oh, the butt man. crack. <laughs> and she immediately like stands back up and grabs her butt and just starts laughing the most hysterical <laughs> laugh. And she, which I I feel like people know Linda's laugh, but maybe I don't. I don't know. She still has that laugh, but um, it was it was pretty amazing and pretty uh funny for me. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's probably you probably it's a you have to be there sort of a moment. But there was that one. There was that's another funny. one. There was another one that happened that's maybe kind of funny for everybody else and more embarrassing for me, where I Millie is. Um, you know, in the Dead Dogs and Gym Teachers episode where she is taking the beer from Daniel Desario and is about to open it. She takes the can opener and she's about to open it. And the first time we film that moment is I'm handed the, the bottle opener and I go and I'm like going to open the bottle before I like start to take a sip before I'm stopped by Kim. Uh-huh. And I cannot get the bottle open. And I'm just like, and they're still filming. They're filming. And I'm just like, finally, I'm like, I can't open this. <laughs> I can't open this bottle. And they're like looking. They're like, you have the bottle opener the wrong way. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, well, somebody should have told me, you know, like I, I'm 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> not a big beer drinker yet. <laughs> so they had to cut and we had to redo it all. But um, so that was another moment that was, was more embarrassing to me. And I think other people were laughing. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, Dave Karasik wants to know uh, that, well, says you have a daughter now. Uh, you know, in, in real life, at what age will you let your daughter watch Freaks and Geeks? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I don't, I, I, I mean, not right. She's about to turn two. So I don't think now is the appropriate time to show her. <laughs> I don't know. And she seems ready. <laughs> she, hey, hey. One of her favorite movies is Star Wars Empire Strikes Back right now. So, you know, okay. I don't know. She might be a little advanced. We've been watching a lot of Star, Star Wars in, uh, in quarantine. So okay. she loves it. But uh, I, uh, I don't know. Like, it's not like a crazy, like, you know, foul show or anything like that. But there is some, like, things that people do, like this pot smoking and, you know, and drinking and whatever that like maybe she'll ask questions about and maybe it's maybe maybe that's just not especially like it being so centered around that for a whole episode or whatever like I don't know I'm like a first-time parent I have no <laughs> <laughs> 
it, it, it doesn't get any easier second or third time or fourth time or fifth time. You know, <laughs> none of us know. None of us know. We just guess. But exactly. I, you know, I think with a show like Freaks and Geeks and a lot of shows like that, um, and I find this because I'm like, like personally, I'm, I'm a junkie for The Office. And I used to have it on with my kids kind of being in the room and they would kind of gravitate toward it, towards it. And certain shows, I think the characters grab them at a young age to the point where they think they like the show, but they're not old enough to really grasp the adult things that are being talked about. So right. it almost feels like it's okay for them to watch it when they're young and then you have to get them away from it for a few years when they get smart enough to start understanding and then wait until they're mature enough to talk about those things. So Right. I, I totally get that. Even with like my daughter watching Star Wars right now and her being obsessed with like she, her favorite character is Darth Vader, but she doesn't uh-huh. understand <laughs> what Darth Vader is really all about. And, you know, like, um, and then she just gravitates towards these characters that, you know, and, but doesn't understand what they're all about. But I think at some point, yeah, you might have to take them away from that and then have them come back to it. I'm not sure. Maybe star Wars is not one of those, but I will see. I don't know. Yeah. That, 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 that's the motto for everything in parenthood. We'll see. We'll figure we'll it see. out. Well, exactly. <laughs> It's de- it's definitely like a one day at a time sort of situation. Yes, absolutely. Paige Schechter chimed in. She says, I loved Millie. I'd like to ask about the scene with her real life mom as her on-screen mom when she wanted to go to the Who concert. Did they have anything to draw upon? And how did their mom how did her mom help her handle being on the show overall? So the first part of the question, I guess, is that conflict that we see erupt. Uh, likely for the first time between those two characters, because Millie had always been such a, a good soldier, a good daughter. Um, it didn't seem like they would ever have a lot of conflict before, but now suddenly we're rebelling in this episode and it's your real life mom that you have to play this out with. Was there a real life experience to pull from to create that moment? Uh, no, that was, are you saying that was my real life mom playing that? Yeah. That's what Paige Schechter is saying. Is that not the case? No, that was an actor. That was an oh actress. My I'm Her a- name is Megan Fay, and she was wonderful. But no, um, that was not my real life mom. Um, that would be really, that would be really weird. <laughs> and like, I don't know if I would be able to do that with my mom, or maybe I would. I don't know. You know, you tap into it, but I don't know. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I apologize. I did not fact check these questions, um, but uh, we, no, it, don't it does, apologize. But it, yeah. well, it does put bring up a good question, though. I mean, did you feel like there was anything that you could relate to, as far as that situation of finally finding the rebellion within Millie and having to kind of go at it with? your your character's mom like that i mean for sure i'm sure i've had those sorts of conversations or arguments with my mom where it's like no mom you like i want to do this you have to trust me like i i got it it's under control like maybe not as uh as good of articulating like her her feelings as as millie but um you know i definitely have had those you know uh moments of rebellion with my real life mom and arguments so like I could totally tap into it and feel what like Millie was feeling at that time and like like rightfully so like she's been so good this whole time and for her mom to like like question her like right away like like I'm sure that made Millie feel like offended like come on don't you trust me mom like I've been so good and now you're just like you're just going to make a scene because of this one thing that I'm doing and I want to do doesn't mean I'm going to be bad. Like you don't even know, like, don't you trust? I don't know. So I could totally tap into it. Absolutely. And understand um, where Millie is coming from. And I think, honestly, I think that was our only scene together. um, Millie and her, her mom. Um, Mm -hmm. And you didn't really see any of other like Millie's home life at all, other than that. And Mm -hmm. And we weren't even at home. We were in the middle of a street, you know, and we were, we weren't in like 
good terms. We were having an argument, you know? So it was like, it was very, it was definitely interesting for that. Like that being the first moment that you see Millie's, one of Millie's parents, you know? Um, And at the same time, I would say that it speaks to just how well formed the character of Millie was because even though we never saw your mom before, we never saw your home before, I think all of us who watched the show all the way through could visualize exactly what that home life was like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Definitely. Um, so, okay. Well, we, we, we were able to answer the question once we brought it down to reality. So, Paige, Schechter, sorry. Uh, a bit off on the uh, on who was playing Millie's mom in that episode, but we hope that we we answered your your question anyway. Um, yeah, thanks for the question. <laughs> okay, guys, quick time out here from this fantastic conversation. I'm having a lot of fun, but let's talk about something that is super important. A great organization. No Kid Hungry is a campaign that is helping kids remain fed each and every day, even when school is not in session. So take a listen to this message and get to know No Kid Hungry. Because of the coronavirus, schools have closed nationwide and kids in need are missing nearly 34 million school meals every day. For many, it's the only healthy food they might get in a given day. No Kid Hungry has a plan to feed these kids, but they need your help. Donate now at NoKidHungry.org to help feed America's children during this crisis and in the months to come. That's NoKidHungry.org. Thanks. Jeffrey Adams. Uh, here's a good one. How close to her character at the time was were you in, in real life, and were there any changes that you would have liked to have incorporated into the character, um, either back then or looking back? So the first part of the question is, just how closely did you associate or or feel a commonality with Millie? Um, I, I there's definitely aspects of Millie that I can relate to. Um, but you know, I I wasn't a heavy like churchgoer. Um, I had uh, I don't know if I had like necessarily that strong of opinions on like seeing it kind of one way and one way only um like Mm -hmm. Millie does during at least this season until that that one episode when she's like oh maybe maybe I'm seeing it all wrong um but uh let's see what else um I don't know I feel like I I maybe I wasn't totally in sync like like I, I was Millie at that time, but I feel like even now as an adult, I'm really far from Millie um, than, than who she was at that time. So, um, and then was there, what was the second part of that question? Uh, it was really, I guess, a question of, is there anything different about oh. Millie or any additional traits or just any changes to her either while you were playing I w- her, looking back? I wouldn't. I wouldn't make any changes to what they did or how they built Millie and how we portrayed her. Um, I think it worked out great, but I, I, I definitely was like, man, Millie's like really judgmental. Like she's kind of an, a jerk a little bit, like, like calling these like people dirt bags and like, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't really know them. Like it, she just seems very judgmental. And I definitely felt that I think when I was like, playing her like thought that when I was like reading it and was like oh she kind of sucks <laughs> but uh <laughs> so I was like man I wish she wasn't so judgmental I guess I I kind of thought that a little bit when I was like given the role but like you know that's Millie <laughs> yeah. Millie is set in her ways like in that in that time that we're seeing her doesn't mean mm-hmm. that like later on she wouldn't have like developed more in like you know, opened up her mind a little bit more and like maybe even like gone a different path than she was currently leading and being like, man, I was so like, I, I was so, you know, one-sided all the time and thought it was always like this and I am so sorry or whatever, you know, like 
you never know. It could have gone that way or she could have like stayed the exact same way the whole time and just been like, like, yeah, just yeah. Millie from this season. So, um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change her. I definitely was like thinking she was a bit judgmental, but, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change, change it at all. That's how some people are just like that. And that's yeah. <laughs> an accurate portrayal. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so uh, Zykon, I hope I'm doing that name justice, would you be interested in seeing some form of a, a remake or a reboot of Freaks and Geeks? That's a tough one. Man, it would be fun. It would be a lot of fun to like mm. get everyone back together. It'd be, it would be different. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's uh, let's let's actually let's um get a little more specific here because I, he's talking about let's see he uses the term a remake now a lot of people use different terms I'm going to classify it as this I I I kind of look at the term remake and reboot as the same thing which means that what we're actually doing is redoing the whole show maybe a similar premise um, retelling the story with new actors new um just just a new take on it. Um, the other way to look at it, of course, is what a lot of people also call a reboot, which is like a revival, which would be, I think right. what you're talking about, let's bring the band back together and see where they are now or revival years yet. later. Yeah. Whatever the yeah. case may be. So let's talk about e each of those. Um, now he asked about a remake. Would you like to see an entirely new cast tackle high school and try to do it in the under the freaks and geeks brand tried and do something similar to what had been done 20 years ago uh no i don't think so like i i feel like there are actually a lot of shows that have come out um within the years that the freaks and geeks has has you know aired um that are somewhat similar to freaks and geeks but you know different in their own right but there's a lot of similarities that they like have pulled. You can, I can just tell from like, even stranger things. I feel like, Oh man, I see so many similarities to like freaks and geeks in this show, even though it's different. It's a sci-fi it's, it's, it's just different. It's not, there's different characters, you know? Um, and then there's, there's a, there's another one. I can't remember now. Um, but anyway, I've seen definitely like lots of shows that have been like, I feel like they've watched Freaks and Geeks and have like definitely pulled from this show. Um, so I, I, I think Freaks and Geeks has, has inspired a lot of other shows to create their own sort of show, but in the same like respect as Freaks and Geeks, which I think is great um, and universal. But I don't, I don't know if we need to bring, I don't know if we need to reboot or um, remake freaks and geeks mm. i mean because it, freaks and geeks already exists like right. it, yeah. it's uh it's already there and it's not like it's that old <laughs> i mean it was shot on film but it doesn't look that bad and you know it's yeah so i i i would just say no <laughs> i don't think so my opinion okay. but uh and also for a revival or whatever mm. um or reunion or whatever it may be. I, like I said, I feel like it would be fun to get the band back together, to see everyone. It would be totally different. Everyone is in totally different stages of their lives. And, you know, like it's so, it would be so the dynamics would be different. I'm sure we could all like kind of tap into it, but like, I don't think we should do it. <laughs> I don't think it should happen. I Let's think let's play the game real quick though because this is actually something i was going to spring on you at the very end but uh, uh -huh. because it came up in the question let's do it let's just freestyle here um if there were to be whether it was a special whether it was a limited series or just you know some sort of revival or continuation um i mean first of all the original freaks and geeks took place in 1980 so i would presume the logical thing would be to say, let's do something that's now 20 years later. So this is going to take place in the year 2000. Would that, I, I think that would probably be right. the logical premise. 
Where do you, uh, let's start with you. Um, if you were going to try to um, try to outline what this thing would be, uh, where would Millie be 20 years from where we saw her last? Oh man. Um, I feel like I've been given this, this question before and it's so hard because I feel like there's so many different angles that she could go. Um, but you know, let's keep her in the, the Millie world, you know, I'd say she probably still goes to church. She might be like a, um, what do you call it? Like doing vacation Bible school sometimes or in, in charge of the youth group or, um, you know, the choir, maybe she's like teaching the choir. Um, so she's probably very heavily involved in the church and, mm-hmm. and she may even like, be a teacher as well she may like be back at mckinley high school Hmm. teaching math um as one of the teachers um she's probably married and has a couple of kids you know um so that's kind of where i think millie might be if if she was to stay in the millie like world or path or whatever yeah yeah and that lane Mm -hmm. but you know who knows? Who knows what the writers would have come up with? <laughs> Do you think, I mean, obviously, it's just fun to kind of think about and just be kind of brainstorm where these people would be, especially if you're going to create a scenario where they're all kind of still back in each other's lives. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, you would probably want to explore the question of whether she and Lindsay are still tight, whether they're still friends at all, whether they still have contact. Right. Um, which, you know, where are all these people? Where is Daniel DeSaro? Where, <laughs> where are the freaks? Yeah, because you'd have people? to bring them all back. Yeah. I wonder if, like, Millie would have married one of them. Not necessarily a freak, but maybe one of the geeks. Like, maybe, what if Millie married Sam Weir? Whoa. That, that would be really been. weird, right? Very weird, but very, <laughs> very conceivable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it would have been an even odder couple. For or, her. Mm, or no, who are you? No, no, who are you gonna say? Um, I'm, I'm blanking on, on his name. Um, oh my goodness. Um, not Sam, uh, not Bill. Um, Neil, Neil, yes. Okay, that would have I was gonna like... say Nick. <laughs> what if Millie ended up marrying Nick? Oh, wow, Lindsay's ex boyfriend, right? Right. Um, that would have been an odd pairing. <laughs> right? Oh, man. I don't know. Man. You oh. just never know. It, it would have been. It, it, there's so many ways to do it. That would be a fun writer's room. I have to tell you. I know, you. right? Just conceiving that. Um, we want to switch over a little bit because we actually got questions flooding in about another show that you're pretty well known to have been involved in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, Yeah. I'm going to keep it real for you right now. I, and please people do not strike me down on social media or otherwise. (laughs) I have literally never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm sorry. I know that makes me evil to a lot of people. Yeah, you can't go outside anymore. You gotta watch your back now. You just outed yourself. I know. (laughs) This is bad. These people care. That is what I've learned through this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Buffy, Buffy's huge, and it's great. It's a great show, too. Is that, uh, I mean, is that something that, I mean, obviously, your history in Freaks and Geeks is probably something that affects you really on an ongoing basis, like people, because it's a show that people are always going to talk about. Do you feel that same power of your, uh, your history with Buffy? Uh, not, I mean, the, the fans are, I mean, what was I going to say? They're, they're, they're more intense and will intensely tell you how much they, they love you than I think Freaks and Geeks fans, if that makes sense. But like, um, so the, the, but that that's weird. It's a weird thing to say because it's not like the freaks and geeks fans aren't passionate, but like the Buffy ones feels just like super passionate, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I definitely get like 
recognized and talk way more about Freaks and Geeks than I do Buffy. But that's also because Buffy went on for like seven seasons and I was in like 10 episodes in the seventh season, you know? So I was, I was just a small part of the Buffy family towards the end. And I'm so grateful for it. Like it was a great part (laughs) that I, that I got to play and, and be a part of. So, um, but Freaks and Geeks was like, I, I was a very, um, central character or not central, but like, you know, a, a good supporting character to that to that cast to that series you know um series so yeah you were uh, integral yeah yeah so it i think that's why it feels more close to home and and also i I, it made me like we kind of grew up with that those people it was everyone's or at least the cast it was like everyone's first thing like a lot of people's first thing and like big thing and then even like Paul Feig, the writer, like he had been acting in things here and there, but like, this is like one of his, like, you know, big things that he wrote and created, you know, like for the moment. And Judd, had, Judd was like the, you know, guy who'd done the most stuff, but, uh, but it was still like very fresh and like, you know, like we were just, we were just new and, and not jaded and you know what I mean? Not that I don't know. I feel like I'm digging myself in a hole here. I'm not that, not that anything's jaded or anyone was jaded on, on Buffy or anything like that. I wasn't meaning that, but like, I would, I'm just saying like, it was just, it was just fresh. And we were all, also, we were all kids. A lot of us, you know, hanging out in a schoolroom together and whatever. When I went into Buffy, like I had turned, it was, it was just a very different experience. I had turned 18 or I was about to be 19, something like that. Uh, and you were over the hill by then yeah i was i was able to work <laughs> adult hours so mm. you know i could work you know the hours that buffy puts in place which is sometimes like 14 16 hours a day you know and i was just like what is this like when i was mm. on freaks and geeks i was only like there for like 9 hours a day plus i had to have 3 hours of school room like this is so different you know and like you know, respect for like those series regulars. Like that's a lot. And sometimes I would film six days a week. Like that's, that's exhausting. Um, anyway, that was, that's probably more information that we needed to know. But anyway, I get recognized and I talk, I think more about freaks and geeks than I do Buffy, but I go to a lot more like conventions and fan-based things for Buffy than I do Freaks and Geeks. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, trust me, they own you. They, or they, they want to own you just as much as Freaks and Geeks do. Uh, Buffy, Buffy fans have claimed you as their own. And Danny G is one of them, and he wants to know what was your favorite Buffy scene to shoot and why? Oh, well, the whole episode, the whole, and I know you haven't seen the show, so you don't have to respond to this, but the whole, uh, was it episode 12 potential episode, um, where my character, Amanda finds out that she's a potential slayer by the end of it. And I actually get to kill a vampire all by myself. That was that whole episode for me was like really fun and really just exciting and empowering kind of like um so it was really that that whole episode was really awesome for me and and also just doing the stunts and working with the stunt coordinator for that whole uh wasn't even like a minute probably like segment of me fighting a vampire and killing it was pretty awesome and yeah I'll always remember that I'm really glad you said that because this next question now makes more sense to me (laughs) okay Um, Paul Colombo wrote, and there's a few moving parts to this question. How would Millie have done as a slayer in the early 1980s? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, 
So, so what he's I look, like, just to, I, just to, I, I just want to clarify it for my own okay. for what the question means. So what he's doing is he's placing the character of Millie into yeah. the Buffy world and making her the slayer that your character had eventually become anyway. But it, it's Millie that that's where he's going with this, right? Yeah, I think so. And okay. you know, Amanda, Amanda, I think was a bit more goofy and quirky actually than she was i feel like she was more quirky than millie even though millie was kind of quirky but um millie was very i feel like she was very confident as who she was and um and so maybe that would make her an actually really good slayer if she was a slayer um but then i'm like well would millie have well, she would have to believe in this whole thing. Vampires. Maybe she would be like, this isn't real, right? <laughs> this can't happen, right? Um, for a minute. And then be like, okay, it is real. Yeah. So, um, And then get into the sort of the character. But I think she would take it very seriously and actually become very good at being a slayer. I think. I, I got to say, for those of us who've only seen you play Millie or those of us who've only seen you play Millie and even have gotten to know you a little bit on this show... I'm kind of sold on the idea of going back to Buffy now because I want to see you slaying. Like, this is something that <laughs> I feel would be a lot of fun, as fun for us to watch as it was for you to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun. <laughs> I'm awkward. I'm a little awkward. That's okay. Well, hey, and we're going to get to, we got one more question, which I love. Um, before we do, I want to just thank you again because we, uh, we had, like I said, so much buzz last time we talked and it was great to be able to invite some people to submit some questions and to kind of go deeper into you and Freaks and Geeks and Millie and Buffy and, and everything. So um, thanks again for doing this, man. This has been really great. You're welcome. Um, Thank you. Oh, and so this question, and this is something, this speaks to me um, about freaks and geeks in a way that I think I understood the first time I watched it, which is that it's a great show, not just because entire episodes are great and the entire season, the entire show is great, but there are scenes that are just so classic that you want to go back and watch again and again. And I think that's the hallmark of a really great TV show. And this is about one of them. Um, did, did you, I'm sorry, have, previous musical or piano specifically experience or a background in it and was the scene with you and Jason part of the original script or ad lib now what we are talking about is I think we're going back to episode two if I'm not mistaken where the the party at the warehouse where um it's supposed to be a bit of a get together uh, with some beer turns into a full fledged party. The parents aren't home. And then Millie kind of tries to crash the party in her own very moral, um, as you said before, very um, one sided opinionated way tells people everything they're doing wrong and then proceeds to get on, sit at the piano and I guess try to perform <laughs> in such a way that it inspires everyone to stop drinking and doing what they're doing. Um, <laughs> what was that song that, <laughs> that um, you sang? Uh, it's called Jesus is Just All Right With Me by the Doobie Brothers. Yes. <laughs> And, um, you know, we talked about him before. Jason Siegel is such a such a goofy character in his own way. We know a noted pothead as we'd find out more and more through the series. But just a guy who's really doesn't have a mean bone in his body and just without hesitation, um, with a big smile on his face, sitting down next to you, um, a self-proclaimed musician as well, and joining in on this song, an unlikely an unlikelier duet you'll probably never find anywhere on a team. TV show. Yeah. So much fun to watch him kind of rock out with you on this Doobie Brothers song. Um, did you have uh, piano training or any experience musically? Uh, yes, very little. I was not, I was not a piano player. Um, I was, uh, I maybe like took piano lessons for a year, maybe two. I don't know. 
but I was like terrible at like practicing and actually like doing my lessons, you know, before we, I would get together with my piano teacher. So, um, I was not, I was not very good at the piano. Um, so basically we did the pilot and we found out we got picked. So we did the pilot, I think in like, I don't know, January or February, something around there. And then we find out that we got um, picked up maybe in April or May, maybe May. And then I think it was around June, maybe around June or the beginning of July, something like that. I was sent, my manager was sent um, some sheet music and a cassette tape. And basically with the instructions of have Sarah learn this and uh, try and learn it on the piano. Okay. And so that was my instructions in what context this song was, was in. I had no idea. I didn't have the <laughs> script, nothing. I was just sent the, the sheet music. I was sent the cassette tape and I was like, learn this, this song, try and learn it on the piano. And, uh, and yeah. Um, so I basically, I had a keyboard, so I would try and like play it on the keyboard. Um, and then I also had a really good friend at school who was a very good piano player. So I would go to his house. I went to his house maybe a few times and he helped me with, um, learning the notes and stuff. And then I would just practice on the keyboard again. I didn't end up being very good at it. <laughs> like I got some of them. I knew where they were, but then I would hit two notes at the same time sometimes or whatever. So I wasn't that great. But anyway, I spent a long time and I really worked on it or whatever. So I was kind of proud of myself and excited too. I was excited. I was like, this is how we do this. This is awesome. And so I get to set and, you know, I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm prepared. And I see a piano there and then off to the side, I see another piano and I'm like, wait, why are there two pianos? That's strange. Huh? And so I went to the piano that I was going to be at and I started to like, you know, press the keys to see, you know, how I was going to play the song. And it's silent. The, the whole <laughs> piano is muted. And wow. I was like, there's something wrong with this piano. We need to like bring in another piano because <laughs> I can't play like this. <laughs> I don't know. They're like, Oh yeah. So we have a professional piano player and they're going to play the song um, for you, but you're going to do the notes. Like you'll, mm-hmm. you'll do it like you have been practicing, but you're not actually going to hear what you're playing. And I was like, Oh, I was kind of like offended, (laughs) but then I, but then I was like, you know what? You're right. This is the right call. You guys, (laughs) piano, Millie would be a much better, better piano player than, um, than I am. So, um, good call. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't go the way I was thinking in my mind, this was going to go because even though I was very excited and. I was going to do the best job I could do for you. Um, But anyway, so um, me playing on the piano is not actually like what you hear, but I still knew like all the notes. It was like, I was actually doing like, you know, what I practiced. Mm -hmm. Um, So all my fingers and stuff. And then as far as like improvising and stuff goes, like, there was definitely some improv improvisation that would ha- that happened once the scene started taking place because I don't know if Jason knew the song for- as well as I knew the song. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he would start saying the wrong words and then he would like either like start following me or like when he would start saying the wrong words, like, okay, I'll just follow you. And then like, so we would just like go off of each other like that in that sort yeah. of way. So that's how that scene ended up going, where it was like lots of little like mistakes and whatever, but that was all natural and like totally improvised. And it's Um, great because that's, I mean, his character wouldn't necessarily have known the song word for word, but no, but totally be into it and like, yeah, I feel this, I can get into this. Like, he would totally be that kind of character and but Millie would like she would know the song but she'd be excited that someone was 
was there and like getting into it. Like that was her whole point of doing it. So like, sure, I'll just go along with you too. Like, so she wasn't like, whoa, I'm stopping the song. You're singing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you've really just, uh, you've really just illustrated and sown the seeds for uh, what's going to lead to this Freaks and Geeks revival, that whole scenario that you just <laughs> laid out before, that romance between you two, it yeah. all started at the piano in episode two. It all started two. at the piano, I think, I agree. I, I can see it, I can see it. You, you know, guys, maybe maybe they're doing piano stuff at the church together. Maybe he started, <laughs> he joined the church and he got himself right, you know, with God. <laughs> we saw at the end of the series that he kind of, you know, he, he kind of goes where where uh, he's wanted. We saw him fall into the disco realm at the very end. Yes, the, yeah. His final girlfriend. So, and yeah, I mean, I, I think this was maybe Millie. Maybe this was Millie's deep-seated plan all along. Maybe you're the one <laughs> who's pulling all the strings all this time. Yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Well, that's <laughs> Thank you to to everybody, first of all, again, who sent in questions. Um, yeah, thank you. That was, they were great questions, so thank you. Yeah, and, uh, and, and again, thank you, Sarah, because, uh, you know, without you, it's only questions. You get, <laughs> we needed the answers. <laughs> well, hopefully I answered the questions and I didn't dig myself into a big hole and, like, never actually get out of it, so... <laughs> But, but uh and, but yeah i i am happy to do it and it was it was fun it was fun chatting great 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 to have you back on the show and uh thanks to everyone again for checking out the show this time and thanks to everyone for who, who continues to follow and love and spread the word about freaks and geeks as the legend continues to grow um i'm sure you're just going to be hearing more and more about Millie each and every day of your life more and more and more over the years. So, <laughs> um, thanks for letting us be a part of that movement with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Alright guys, another great week, another fun chat. Sarah, always good for a laugh and some amazing stories as well. Uh, Freaks and Geeks a show that you just can't talk about enough, can you? Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I think we're going to be revisiting that show uh, more in-depth in the future based on the response from you guys. What a continual uh, cult classic and more that that show is. You guys uh, just love that show to pieces and uh, can't wait to talk about it in the future and maybe have some more guests on from that world. Before we go any further now, we've heard her for a couple weeks. We're going to do it again. She is my friend uh, and one of the great wrestling legends for you fans of pro wrestling you've seen her uh in on wwe tv alongside everyone from uh adam edge copeland uh face to face with dwayne the rock johnson uh one of those personalities you can never ever forget you could see her every week these days on aew all elite wrestling in prime time wednesday nights on the tnt network and of course her own podcast, excuse me, The Vicky Guerrero Show. I'm a little part of that show as well. She is Vicky Guerrero, and once again, we are doing the catchphrase of the week. She is going to bust out one of TV's famous catchphrases in her own uh, unique style, and you guys are going to figure out what show is it from and who says that catchphrase. We want you to email your answers to us at laughtrackpod at outlook.com and uh, if you get the right answer we're going to shout you out here we're going to line these winners up and uh, we're going to mention you here live on this show on the microphone uh, you know so <laughs> that's what we're going to do um, so yeah please do that without any further ado here's Vicky. Did I do that? All right, folks. Thank you once again for making another week of the Laugh Track a great one. Uh, we can't wait for you to hear what's in store next week. But we want to let you know, of course, that the Laugh Track produced by me, really the lion's share of the work produced by our buddy Steve Prentice, the mastermind um, behind this whole thing. 
And uh, we want you to follow us on social media. Of course, we're on Facebook, Laugh Track Pod, the backslash to the Laugh Track Pod. We've got a page. We've got a, a group on Facebook. Also, our Instagram at Laugh Track Pod, I believe. And uh, we're on Twitter as well at Laugh Track TV. Of course, you can find all these links and links to many of our popular podcast outlets that carry us at our own website. It's your one-stop shop to everything old and new of the Laugh Track, and that, of course, is at LaughTrackPod.com. You can catch up on all the old episodes or revisit some of your favorites. And uh, please, whatever you can do to pass the word along, tell a friend, let them know what we're doing here, talking about your favorite TV shows, talking to your favorite TV stars, and we're going to keep on doing it. So until next week, I'm Jerry Strauss. We'll see you next time.